Hi everyone and welcome to the Cozy Mystery Mingle where we talk all about Cozy Mystery new releases. I'm Lisa. I'm very excited I'm here with Darcy. Hey, it's great to so, be here. I mean, this is a you, fun yeah. adventure for me. <laughs> Good. Yeah, if you didn't know, I'm so I, we were talking right before the show. I am new to podcasting, but Darcy is a seasoned podcaster. She has her own. Oh no, I'm not seasoned. She <laughs> <One> is. Season. <laughs> well, she has one more season than me. So tell them a little bit about yourself and your podcast. Well, yeah. So my name is Darcy Hanna. I um, I had started my career as a historical fiction writer. And then after a few years of that, I had switched into the cozy mystery market. So now I love writing cozy mysteries. I write the Beacon Bake Shop mystery series from Kensington. I have a new series coming out this year, too, called the Food and Spirits Mystery Series. So my series tend to be food centric. <laughs> There's a theme to them. <laughs> I do like baking. And then last year, it was probably around April or May of last year, we, um, my sons and I decided to start a podcast. Uh, and, you know, that was kind of like I wanted, like my audience is a little different than my sons. Like I'm a cozy mystery writer. You know, I, I have a readership that's, you know, appreciates that little gentler thing. And my sons are millennials, uh, 26 and 29 right now. So, um, and they're super funny. So they, they do, we do author interviews. Um, our podcast used to be called the mother boy podcast. And we coined ourselves as like a mother son comedy podcast. And there aren't really any of those. So I think we cornered the market in that. <laughs> and the comedy, like I have one son that's very funny. The other son is very technical and very funny. Um, my third son lives in Seattle. So he sometimes doesn't join us because we're coming from Michigan. Um, but it's just a very, uh, it's more entertaining. It's uplifting. It's just a little crazier, but we're more lucky enough to have authors come on. We try to do a very fun, um, very unorthodox interview with them. So that's kind of our little niche. Uh, we had just started on YouTube. We've rebranded. So don't look for mother boy. <laughs> We've rebranded into the um, nearly literate podcast because uh, the boys weren't cool with mother boy anymore after they'd picked it, which was puzzling to me. <laughs> They're the ones that chose it. <laughs> no, you know, Lisa, they picked the name and they go, um, we picked the name and I go, you know, cause I said, what do you want to call this after we had done like three. So podcasting and you're like, it's so funny. Cause I think of you as like, you're the YouTuber. I didn't realize that you're new, newer to podcasting, but, um, usually do like three, you know, mm -hmm. record them and then push them out. Like when you don't have the video. And so we were doing them and they were, super, you know, kind of entertaining. And, you know, after a while, I'm like, we need to name this. You know, what are we going to name it? And my older son, who was in Seattle, when I told him this idea, like, oh, the boys want to have a podcast with me. I think it'll be fun. And he goes, oh, that sounds a little too mother boy for me. And I go, mother boy. <laughs> and that's a reference to Arrested Development, which is one of my favorite TV shows. It's brilliant comedy oh, show. Yeah, it's funny. I love that show. You know, yeah. Do you know the mother, Lucille? Uh -huh. She had this older son. Um, I think it was the baby son. What was his mm -hmm. name? Buster. Yeah. And she and Buster were going to the Motherboy XXX. Oh. It's the Motherboy 30 dance. It was the cringiest episode in the whole Yeah, season. I remember it now that you're saying that. Yeah, I totally forgot about that episode. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was a great reference. It was the worst episode. And the moment he said it, I just was like, oh my God, yes. That yeah, I could see where that would be. Um, so when we did our podcast, we sat down and 
we were all joking about that and the boys decided to call themselves some other boy podcast. And then six and a half, maybe seven months later, we took a little break over Christmas, come to find out that they're not comfortable with that name anymore. It was a joke and they didn't really expect it to do very well. So <laughs> but we started doing pretty well. So we're not more, we're not serious, but um, my one son wanted to call it the illiterate podcast. And I said, you know, I am an author. Like how, yeah. like, how <laughs> I mean, I know I'm not that literate, but right. you know, how am I supposed to have guests come on? if you know we call ourselves the illiterate podcast so then i said what about nearly literate and then they like that so um they don't read fiction but mm -hmm. they love to interview people and uh, make kind of make fun of what i do but uh, they're pretty respectful in general when, when we don't have a guest with us we're um it's there there are some language there's some you know they might swear a little bit which i I've tried to curtail that, but they're out of the house. You know how that is, Lisa. It's like, it's a wild, wild west right now. So, um, but anyhow, that's kind of my weird career in a nutshell. Author of gentle, cozy mysteries with a lot of uh -huh. you know, baking and excitement. They're, they're fun. They're very fun. Um, we set my mysteries, uh, the Beacon Bake Shop are set in Michigan, uh, Northern okay. Michigan, Northwestern Michigan. Um, and so, you know, we, um, it's been so much fun writing that. And then the podcasting, it was just kind of a, kind of a fun way for me to talk to the other people in the industry and just kind of like, Hey, what do you, what do you think about this? Like, don't you love it when this happens? <laughs> so. Yeah. That's why I started just to meet other people. Like, I don't think we would ever chat if I didn't have, I was so excited when you reached out to me. I'm like, Oh my God, you're so you know beautiful and adorable. I'm like, I want to talk to Lisa, talk a little cozy mystery, but um, um, yes, I just want to congrats. I didn't know, like you are, you are a YouTuber. Yes. Congratulations on your podcast. I think this is wonderful. And uh, I wish you like uh, incredible success. So thanks. You too. When does wonderful. your second season start? The new re with the new. Oh, we put <laughs> okay. So I'm going to apologize to everybody out there. We put out our first one yesterday was Monday, right? We put oh, out our first yep. video Monday and my son okay. made a trailer and it's, it's a total guy trailer. It's a lot of like, you know, there's some military, you know, there are explosions in it. And then there's me. I mean, <laughs> well, it sounds like it's dynamic and exciting. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but that neither does our podcast, but it's funny. You know, so it's, um, we're, you know, you fine tune it as you go along. You're very focused, which I love, you know, ours yeah, is a very rush. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, let's talk about your book. Cause I, I want everyone to know this is a new release. It came out this month um, and it's Murder at the Blarney Bash. So let's just talk about that book and what it's about and, you know, who gets murdered. Oh my gosh. Well, look at, I don't always dress so festive, um, especially so early in, in the winter, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm channeling the spring rain. So Murder at the Blarney Bash is the fifth of the Beacon Bake Shop mystery series. So I feel just blessed enough to have gotten, you know, to keep writing this series. It's a very fun series. And for, you know, those of you who've never read, read it, the series is based on a woman named um, Lindsay Bakewell. So <laughs> I, then, I love the name and it really is an English name. And I'll tell, explain why I named her Bakewell. She's an investment banker in New York City when we meet her. She's kind of a Wall Street person. And, you know, like it's kind of a typical I'd say um, cozy Mr. Cho, but she, you know, was engaged to this wonderful up and coming, well, this up handsome up and coming celebrity chef. She went to his up and coming restaurant on her birthday 
and then found him in a compromising position with his pastry chef. So she realized like, you know, this is over. And so she went home. Uh, she baking is her kind of her hobby, her passion. Her grandparents owned a bakery in Michigan when she was growing up. Her dad was from Michigan. Her mother is an 80s, ex 80s supermodel. So she doesn't like to eat baked goods. <laughs> but anyhow, so this woman takes more after, Lindsay takes more after her dad. She's, she's in Wall Street. And she um, goes home, anger bakes some cupcakes, throws them against the wall, drinks a bottle of wine, goes on the internet and starts shopping. And the next morning she wakes up and she realizes she actually purchased an old rundown lighthouse on the shores of Lake Michigan, close to where her, her grandparents had their bakery. And she, you know, she could back out of the deal, um, but she got to thinking and she said, you know what? Uh, it's time for me to just make a change in my life. I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna leave New York City and I'm gonna embrace this. And so and the first book in the series is about her, you know, coming to this lighthouse. And of course it looked a lot better on the internet than it did in person because old lighthouses, and I've been to many, <laughs> I love lighthouses. Um, it, it needed a lot of renovation. So she kind of, you know, was like, ah, oh, you know, I bought this lemon, but I'm gonna I'm gonna open my dream bakery inside this. And so she begins renovation and 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 that's how kind of she gets to Beacon Harbor. She gets to own this beautiful lighthouse, which is the Beacon Point Lighthouse. And it is modeled after one of my favorite lighthouses here in Michigan called the Point Betsy Lighthouse. So the cover, if if you Google Point Betsy Lighthouse in Michigan, it's spectacular. It's one of the most photographed lighthouses in Michigan. And so whenever the cover artists were asking for ideas and like, look at this is the lighthouse I envision. And so anyhow, so that was my model for that one. So every episode takes place in this fictitious town of Beacon Harbor, Michigan, which is a beautiful, um, I'm not sure many people have been to our beautiful coast of Michigan. We're called the third coast. <laughs> you know, you have the East Coast. I didn't know that. <laughs> the West Coast. Well, because the beaches along the Western coast of Lake Michigan are so spectacular. They're sandy. We have a lot of dunes. We have huh. the Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore, which is um, spectacular. It's a protected area. And so this lighthouse sits kind of right before that protected stretch of lakeshore. Mm -hmm. um, so the beaches, like I say, are um, wonderful. Uh, and so this is a very, what I've kind of done is I've kind of made a, a town out of all my favorite little, little unique places in Michigan. And so it's one town and it is kind of based on, I had to pick a town, it'd be like Frankfurt, Michigan, kind of where that would be. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not fully that. So anyhow, this new episode, uh, Murder at the Blarney Bay episode, listen to me, and this new book. <laughs> it's like an episode. I could, in my head, I do feel that because we're writing, you know, a series and you're, you've got mm -hmm. the beauty of the series is having that same cast yeah. uh, or some group of characters coming back, introducing some new ones. But, mm -hmm. you know, readers really love the town. They love the setting. They love... Um, the main characters, and especially Wellington, my big Newfoundland dog that is in the in the book as well. So the new one, uh, when I was asked to write a St. Patrick's Day mystery, I was like, St. Patrick's Day? Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that Irish. Uh, I, in fact, I didn't think I was Irish at all until I took a 23 me Lisa. My son gave it to me. Oh, so you are Irish. <laughs> oh, a little bit, like 7%. My mom was like, you're not Irish. And I'm like, mom. I can't argue with these these results. I think yeah, I more Irish than I am. 
<laughs> well, my mom growing up is like, you're not Irish. Like it was super funny. So anyhow, but, but, you know, I was thinking about it and I'm like, I love St. Patrick's Day, but I don't really sell it. I'm not a big drinker. I don't mm -hmm. celebrate like I'm green beer. You're probably not going to see me drinking that. Um, but I do love the, the cooking aspect. And so when I was asked to do this by, by my publisher, I'm like, and he's like, oh, I could just see green cupcakes, green frosted cupcakes mm -hmm. on the cover. And I'm like, I'm thinking soda bread, <laughs> like, you know, something very traditionally Irish. So I do kind of, you know, so I was thinking about how to put this together. And one of my favorite things um, about this, so what I, I ended up doing about the book, I'll go back to the book. I'm sorry, I meander. Yeah. <laughs> so my one of my my main character, Lindsay Bakewell, her love interest is Rory Campbell. And okay. he is this kind of he's still kind of a little bit mysterious. He's a typical what I would consider like a Michigan man. And he has a past. He was mm -hmm. a, an ex-Navy SEAL. Uh, so he's he's he likes, you know, lives along the lake shore. And so we don't know a lot about his background. So in this new book, I bring in his Irish uncle, who's from Ireland who owns a pub in Ireland and his cousin, Colleen, who's a beautiful young Irish woman. And so they <clears throat> they moved to Beacon Harbor and they open up uh, an Irish import shop. And then they, they have a micro pub as well because Finn, um, Uncle Finn, Finn uh, O'Connor, no, is it? Yeah, Finn O'Connor loves his, <laughs> I have so many characters. I'm working on a different mystery right now. So I'm like, what? Um, he, you know, is very steeped in Irish folklore. And so he comes in to the town, they're opening, they're getting ready to open up their, their beautiful Irish shop called the Blarney Stone. And I love the Blarney Stone. Like, do you know the legend of the Blarney Stone, Lisa? I should, but I forgot it. So let's refresh everyone's memory. Okay, so the Blarney <laughs> Stone, the Blarney I, Stone I, right? I mean, I'm particularly attracted to it because I'm a talker. And um, the legend is like, if you kiss this, it's on a castle, Blarney Castle. Mm -hmm. And it, the legend is if you kiss this stone, you get the gift, like Blarney, which is a gift of kind of the gift of gab, mm -hmm. like witticism. You can talk your way out of situations or talk your way into situations. You're just very like loquacious and eloquent and also annoying probably. But um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> for Uncle Finn kind of embraces that. So he's, his shop is called the Blarney Stone. They have, you know, they sell little replica Blarney Stones as well. And it's just everything that I would love in an Irish shop. And when I was growing up as a kid, my mother's Scandinavian. And we used to go to a place called Door County, Wisconsin, which is where my first Cozy Mystery series was set. And there was this beautiful Irish shop there in one of the little towns. And I always wanted to go in it. And I always wanted to buy like the most expensive thing in it, which was this Irish walking cake. And my mom would be like, why do you want to go into the Irish shop? Well, we're not getting that Irish. So I just, it's kind of in my mind, like, as, as I've grown up now, and I'm very old now. But um, as a kid, I just remember, like, going into the shop and seeing all these beautiful Celtic things. And I thought, mm. I need that in Beacon Harbor. So they're doing that. And then they're actually, you know, they have, like, an authentic Irish pub that they have moved. You know, some of the old, the old bar and the old things. So it's a very charming place. So they're owning it. The, the, the Blarney Stone is opening up on St. Patrick's Day, which is very fitting. <clears throat> and there's um, Uncle Finn and Colleen are getting to lead the leprechaun parade at the school. Mm -hmm. But Uncle Finn, <clears throat> being Irish and having his run-ins with um, leprechauns, feels that a leprechaun, he's, he's seen something in the crowd, in the little leprechaun parade. He feels that um, 
you know, he, he tells people that he caught a leprechaun once and he feels like that leprechaun is out to get him and he's back. He's followed him to, to America, at to Beacon Harbor. And so it kind of is like a story about Uncle Finn and his just blindly embracing this, this Irish lore and trying to get people into his shop. And then there is, you know, uh, there is some shenanigans. I'm just going to say shenanigans, Lisa, that go on. Okay. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun, um, but we're bringing in new characters. And um, <clears throat> Uncle Finn is one of my, my new favorites. So, and Colleen as well. And their dog, their beautiful great Pyrenees Bailey, who instantly mm -hmm. is a friend of um, Wellington, my, my big old um, Newfoundland dog. So, And so this, uh, so the leprechaun is the one that gets murdered, right? Oh, you said, oh. It's in the description. <laughs> okay. I'm not spoiling it. It's like in the description for the book, right? Don't you love that? Like, that's why. And I was listening to some of your stuff earlier, like your, your YouTube or videos. And uh -huh. one of your pet things is like people who don't like murder somebody in the first chapter. Yeah. And I kind of like, I, <laughs> I'm guilty. Um, you know, like I, I will have stuff and I'll have stuff all along, but sometimes the murder doesn't happen. But I wanted you to get a good flavor of this, this just big breath of Irish wind coming into town and this beautiful, this excitement for the Blarney Stone. And Lindsay Bakewell is, of course, you know, baking her heart out because they're catering the Blarney Stone and they're catering the Leprechaun Parade. And so it's very, a lot of Irish baked goods, a lot of Irish foods, a lot of Irish um I would call it American Irish, let's just be honest. Well, just so you know, I've been corrected since then that I, the murder can't take place until earliest the end of the third chapter. So I've since what? switched my writing oh, style. Because yeah. you know, when I started writing Cozy Mysteries, like I told you earlier, I had no idea there were so many rules. And yeah. every day, I think the funniest thing about this industry is like every day I learn a new rule. And somebody was like, I was talking to another friend of mine on our podcast. And she's like, well, you know, like you can never kill an animal in a cozy mystery. I'm like, oh, yeah. why would I want to? But then I'm like, well, that makes sense. But like, does anybody really do that? You know, it's like, <laughs> like I didn't know that was a rule, but, um, and so that's funny because like, what if you just started with the body? I've seen, I've read, I've read cozy mysteries that start with the body and that's a different, those are, those are intriguing as well. I tend to kind of build up a story and then, you know, like, you're like, oh, who's going to die? Like what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. And then. Yes. Okay. A, a, a leprechaun does get does get murdered, but that's part of the. <laughs> and yes, maybe I mean, a pot of gold was, is found. That was for me the best part of the description. I was like, yes, <laughs> leprechaun gets murdered. I have to read this book. Um, oh my god! Well, and if the funniest thing is because, and I just said this before. I think I said this yesterday. We were doing a podcast, and I'm like, everything I learned about Ireland because I haven't been there yet. I was I was mm -hmm. going to try to go this year. My husband needs knee surgery so we can hike around a little bit more. But um, so, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's fine, but I want it to be fun for him. So um, I was telling the kids, I'm like, everything I learned about Ireland, other than weird folklore, because I do, I do double down on my mythical creatures. I love them. Mm -hmm. um, is like kind of everything I've, I've seen on a box of Lucky Charms. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like, honestly, it's like. And we never got them a lot as a kid either because my parents didn't give us a lot of sugary cereal. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? It's like the leprechaun and the, you know, the Irish jig yeah. and the, whatever and the rainbow. And then, you know, every time you see a rainbow, even my Scandinavian mother knows that there's a there's a pot of gold at the end of that. And so I just kind of took all this weird, you know, American mm -hmm. Irish knowledge uh, with some 
there's some decent recipes. I will say the recipes in there mm-hmm. are more Irish inspired. Um, but just kind of wove a tale where um, I wanted I wanted that folklore to be a part. Uncle Finn's also always a little bit drunk. Like he loves his beer. So okay. I think it worked well because you don't quite know what he's doing. You don't quite know what to believe. And then I um, mean that makes more sense if he's like diehard. I there's a pot of gold. I believe in leprechauns. Like he should be a little yeah. <laughs> leprechaun steel. And there are some. Um, well, I was re- believe it or not, I was researching leprechauns. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Let's hear it. it. And I had some of the. I sprinkled some of it into the book because, um, you know, like there is, you know, from my big historical fiction days and doing a lot of research, there's always some truth to myth and legend, right? There's mm-hmm. You know, usually it's like legends are, you know, they're always like, you know, stretched out to make it sound cooler or bigger or grander. Um, and so where does the leprechaun come from? And it's, it, it is mentioned quite early in, I, uh, in the written word in Ireland. And, and we don't really quite know what it is. They talk about giants and a mini race of, of people. And so you're like, what were they smoking? Or was this, you know, maybe <laughs> the world's, I don't, is the world different? You know, who knows? But then as, as the myth and legends evolved, I learned that leprechauns are only male. Mm-hmm. They are cobblers by trade. They love green stuff. So you'll see them in the forest in the spring. Um, that's why they're attracted to green beer. If you want to lure one in, there are ways to lure leprechauns in. love gold. They hoard gold, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like that dragon in um, Lord of the Rings. Yep. You know, piles of gold. So they're, you know, so all of that kind of, you know, there's, there's all that, you know, there's in, North mythology, there's, you know, I think the gnomes do the same thing as maybe leprechauns, uh, but I think they're women. But I thought it was funny that they were only male, and come, come to think of it. And usually they're not dressed like the leprechaun on Lucky Charms, but um, <laughs> they do wear, like they are depicted in green, oldie fashion suits. Um, and so I just thought it was really interesting, like what could this um, myth have arisen from? Why do people think leprechauns exist? Um, right. And so Uncle surely is in the camp of the real um, because uh, he, he finds up, he finds a pot of gold. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of in fun. And so, in the book, ahead. there's a pot of gold. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes the story even better. <laughs> and then he's murdered, you know, and um, so Uncle Finn also, also has a shillelagh, which mm-hmm. is a, an, a, it's an Irish walking stick, but it was also used in Ireland as a weapon. It's a cudgel, you know, and so um, they sell them in in the Blarney Stone for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and Uncle Finn has one, but you know, this leprechaun has one too. And so the leprechaun is not that nice. Like the leprechaun has done some things before he gets murdered, and so you kind of unravel this weird tale of um, real gold, a real pot of gold unearthed mm-hmm. in a secret location, and a dead leprechaun, and um, Lindsay, and of course, because Rory, it's his uncle who's in trouble and he's going to prison or not prison, but he's going to the county, you know, he's going to the jail Mm -hmm. because, you know, he's the suspect. (laughs) Right. Obviously, he's the one talking about the leprechauns. You know, they're like, oh, God, you know, like getting into trouble already. And I, you know, so they're trying to, um, they, they, they engage in this mystery and uh, try to follow it to the end. And it's a lot, it's entertaining, it's fun. I, I, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. So this book is a little different. So I've noticed that each of your books has like a different theme, right? So this one has the Irish theme. Um, are you? Does the publisher kind of like dictate which themes, or are you able to select those for each book? 
Well, this one for sure, the publisher did. And um, every time I've had to write, I should I should say have, I've had the pleasure of writing um, right. a, a holiday book. That mm -hmm. was a publisher decision. And I think what it is, is people do love reading about, like Christmas was so fun for me because I do love Christmas. I embrace mm -hmm. that. That's probably my favorite holiday. <laughs> Um, yeah. So that was the first one I read. I wrote. I can write other ones, and the best time of year in Michigan, I'm going to be honest, is summer. Okay. <laughs> Every other time of year, it's like right now it's gross, um, snowy. We had a big snow today, so which is just part, you know, part for the course of living up north. Mm -hmm. um, but summers and falls are beautiful. So winter is beautiful too. If you love snow, do you love snow? Mm -hmm. Okay, I, so I love snow, even though I'm in California, Southern California, but I, so in Michigan, I always think of mosquitoes around the lake around the summer. Well, if you have a good bat population, you don't get many mosquitoes. The so, bats eat the mosquitoes? Yeah. Oh yeah. We have a lot of bats. I live, I live like right on, um, well, there's a lake behind me and it's so funny because it, we've had years where they're kind of bad. But mm -hmm. last year, I don't think we got bit by mosquitoes until, gosh, I don't think we had a mosquito problem until almost September. Isn't that weird? Wow. And so like a lot of times, like that's why it's illegal to kill a bat in Michigan. They're protected. Um, people will have them in their houses. No, I don't. Because <laughs> I don't like, know how to live But you have to house. call. Yeah, you have to call a special place and, and lure them out. And then there are bat houses. So um, also that breeze. So, so if you have a real stagnant pond of water, like a real, like a, a gross little stream or whatever, and it's real hot summer, not a lot of movement, you're going to get some mosquitoes. Um, but with Lake Michigan, there's such a breeze. Um, maybe horse flies, fly, there can be flies that are worse than mosquitoes, but there's, there can be, a, there can be mosquitoes. I haven't noticed them that badly. And it could be, it could, it all, all depends on the, um, probably the rainfall too. But we do have a, at night, it's funny because you can see, you know, at first you're like, oh, are those the birds? But they're moving, you know, all around. And they, they just, they, they're after mosquitoes. So wow. they do keep the population down. But um, yeah, I mean, you spray spray up. If you're going to go in the woods, I would think that would be, yeah. If you're going to go yeah. hiking, it's hot. <laughs> yeah. Spray I mean, let's talk about, you're, you're in Michigan. So I guess, how did you choose Michigan? And then why Michigan for the book? Well, you know, it's funny. The first, the first series I wrote when I, you know, like accidentally wrote a cozy mystery. I set mm -hmm. it in that Door County place because that's where I kind of grew. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Were you from oh, Chicago? I'm from Illinois. I'm from Kankakee, which is the armpit oh, of Illinois. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. And I was far, I was more Northwest, kind of closer to the okay. Wisconsin border. So for vacation, we would always go into Wisconsin. And, uh, but at the time we had, our family had moved here quite a while ago, but that was mm -hmm. a place that I knew probably better um, because I was my husband's from the East Coast, and so he knows Maine really well. That's where they used to go. Um, so I'd set it there, and it was fine because it, it did pretty well in in Wisconsin and people who liked going to Door County. But when um, I was with a publisher that ended up closing before I could get that third book done, oh. and so I was kind of I was kind of ramping up to my haunted lighthouse tale because the mm -hmm. one of the things I didn't mention is that the lighthouse that Lindsay bought in Beacon Harbor, Michigan is slightly, it's, I don't mean it's haunted, um, but it's not a malevolent presence. It's a, you know, a lot of old buildings I go into. Um, 
I always ask the like, especially lighthouses, I've gone into many and I will ask the, like the docent or the person taking you around and I'll say, you know, who still lives here? And they're looking at me like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Nobody, it's decommissioned. Because most lighthouses now are either run by the Coast Guard or they're decommissioned mm-hmm. because you know, we have GPS, it's so great. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the need for lighthouses, you know, it, they're kind of a, a, a old historic relic. And there are some that are still thriving and still at work today on different, um, really, you know, different troubling shores. But in Michigan, we had more lighthouses than any other state in the United States of America because we, believe it or not, have more shoreline. And it is weird because we have the Upper Peninsula, so we have, we have um, most, we have I think all but one of the Great Lakes around the coast of Michigan. Mm-hmm. So because if you look at Michigan, I don't know if this is the right way, but there it's like a thumb. And then mm-hmm. Upper Peninsula comes, uh, this, I don't know, I, I can't have to do that. <laughs> but anyhow, there, you know, and so during during the time, um, 18, 1800s, 19, early 1900s, a lot, of, a lot of lighthouses were built. And oddly enough, you can buy a lighthouse on the internet in Michigan. They come up for sale or for auction. Huh. And so that's why I, I had that in my story because I, I'd be working, I'd be writing something. My husband would always come in and be like, "Hey, you want to buy a lighthouse? Like, look at this lighthouse." And I look at it and you're like, "Yeah, that sounds cool. It sounds fun." But then when you look at the lighthouse for sale, you're like, "Ooh, that's gonna be a lot of work." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a cool concept, though. Yeah. I mean, do you? But, well, I moved it to. I'm sorry to get back to original. I moved it to okay. Michigan because I now live in Michigan. <laughs> okay. Because people would say that I'd do a book signing in Michigan for a book in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and people would say, "Why don't you? Why don't you ever set a book in Michigan?" And so I thought, you know, it gave me a great opportunity um, to kind of switch focus and still kind of keep that bake shop writing, uh, mm-hmm. writing about baking, I guess, and just really get to know Michigan a little bit better. So I've I've enjoyed getting to know um, the beautiful little towns we have here as well, and so that's why I said it because I do love Michigan. I've lived here now for quite a while. And um, I think, you know, it's, it's, there's a certain charm to the Great Lakes that a lot of people don't know about. And I, I want to exploit that. No, yeah. Did you go to college in Michigan? Is that how you ended no, up? No, no. I went to Indiana University. Oh. My husband um, was from Connecticut. And so we had started our married life in Illinois, Northern Illinois, and we, uh, my husband got a job in Michigan early on. Our kids were little, um, one of them had not even started school yet. So, mm-hmm. so we moved out here and um, we've just been out here ever since. So the kids, you know, kids have gone to school here. We, we really love it. Um, and I so that's cool in Indiana too. <laughs> you know, which, which one? Yeah, I went to St. Mary's of Notre Dame. So. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, oh, lots of Irish stuff there. Oh yeah, that oh my god, yes, that and is that associated with um Notre Dame? St. Mary's? Yeah, so no? St. Mary's is the all women's college and Notre Dame oh. used to be all men until I think the 70s. So my first year of college in 92 was the first year ever that 92. there was 50%, I know I'm so 50% men and 50% women. Um but prior I to that it. it was pretty much just it was mostly men in Notre Dame and then just they right. let in a couple women. Yeah, but Isn't yeah. That- Right. You know, so now it was always easy university. to find a date. What? <laughs> oh my God. That's, that is, so I was down in Indiana University and that's where yeah. I met my husband, but oh my gosh, so you should be wearing this. Why? Yeah. Well, yeah. In college, my roommates called me Lisa O. Seifert, right? Everybody's oh Irish and there's Irish. And honestly, like until you said that, I I thought Shillelagh, oh. that was the name of the, uh, the school 
planner, the calendar. That's amazing. I know Shalali was a planner because that's what they oh, called it at Notre Dame. That is amazing. Like the, I think that's hilarious. Yeah. We had the love. Oh my gosh! So he was never. So you, were, so you probably know way more about the Irish. You know, I don't know that I know a lot about the Irish. I didn't even go to football games, but I'm not really into that. But yeah, I was surrounded by Irish this and that. But so that's why I loved the book. And I was like, and they murdered a leprechaun. So, <laughs> well, sometimes they're asking for it. <laughs> yeah. But let's talk about the dog. So the Newfoundland and you have a Pyrenees. So do you, you have a lot of dogs. So let's talk about your dogs and how you yeah. ended up picking a Newfoundland for the book. I can like, I can pick up my camera and show yeah. you. Uh, let's see, can you see Ripley right there? Uh, the Ripley cam. Uh, and then the Finley cam right there. Uh, <laughs> so I have a Springer Spaniel. Oh, sorry, I'm just I'm screwing it all up. Um, and a Golden Retriever right now. But I did have a Newfoundland. My husband and I, our first dog was Newfoundland. And they're very big. But the reason, okay, so here's my weird obsession. When I was a kid, I, you know, I loved historical fiction. I read mm -hmm. a lot of it. And I was really obsessed with the Lewis and Clark expedition. And Meriwether Lewis had a dog that was a Newfoundland named Scannon. And I, I had a dog growing up, but I kept asking for a Newfoundland and a horse for my birthday every year. <laughs> so, but Newfoundlands are these, um, they're ship bearing dogs. So they used to have them. So you, you know, Canada, I can't, can I, we say that sometimes here in Michigan, Canada. Canada. <laughs> my kids say that that's terrible. Canada, the Newfoundland in Canada is mm -hmm. where the breed was said to have, uh, you know, come right. from. Uh, and, and it's a breed that is um, very coastal. Uh, mm -hmm. They were often on ships. Um, They're known for like rescuing people who have fallen off ships. So they even trained them, they're water oh. dogs and they've trained them for water rescue. They can actually, they have webbed paws. And my spaniel here, because I'm sure a spaniel in some way, that's a very old breed, was somehow bred with something you know, whatever, through the lines uh, mm -hmm. to create a Newfoundland. And they have um, web paws. So they have these big paws that are that, that allow them to swim very well. And they've, I've actually seen a Newfoundland dive under the water to get pick up rocks from the bottom and bring them up. So they're, they're a very, really sweet dog. They're giants, mm -hmm. um, but they're very, very gentle. They're not, um, not a guard dog, really. Uh, but I thought... When I saw, when I just came up with Lindsay and her mission and, and buying this lighthouse, I just, I just gave her like, you know, she lives in this uh, New York city apartment and she had an impulse purchase before we meet her, which was a, a Newfoundland puppy. Cause they're just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. They're so cute as puppies. Very adorable. I just like, kind of grew up, you know, and now she's got this, you know, giant dog in this apartment in New York city. And uh, they just both are thriving at the lighthouse. You know, Welly, Wellington. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a stuffy name, right? Wellington. Um, the Duke of Wellington. It sounds uh, very fancy. <laughs> well, I, well, it's very like, um, so I I walk my dogs, you know, every morning. That's kind of my mm -hmm. process. And uh, we meet a lot of dogs. I live by this lake. And one day this lady, lady came out with this giant um, <clears throat> old English sheep, sheep dog. Mm-hmm. And he had a stuffy name. I kind of, I forgot what it was, but it, and I was like, I love it because it was just such a fun name for this giant, you know, big fluff monster. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, when I gave Lindsay Bakewell this big dog, I'm like, well, it's got to have a very distinguished name. Like, you know, like that other dog I met. 
Mm-hmm. And I couldn't remember, like, I gosh, I wish I could remember what that name was, but Wellington kind of came out. And it's also like um, I, English boots, like their mu- mucky mm-hmm. boots yeah. are called wellies. So you know, there's kind of a lot of play, like um, one of my... <laughs> my kids' favorite dishes is a beef wellington, which is a fancy dish. So it's a little, you know, it can be whatever it fits. I mean, he's just a big old, you know, he drools a little bit. Uh, We try to drool down. Yeah, we kind of, I don't like go, you know, heavy onto the, I make mention of it because you have to, to be true to the breed. Mm -hmm. But but nobody wants to read like three pages of like what drool looks like. Right. (laughs) And so do you also secretly want a Pyrenees? Oh, they're beautiful. So I was at my mom's and um, her neighbor, her neighbors, a lot of them have dogs. And so um, mm-hmm. one of them had, had rescued this great Pyrenees and it was just the most gorgeous dog. And I looked at it and it just loved me. And the reason it loves me, the reason dogs love me is because I always have dog treats in my pockets and they can smell it. So dogs <laughs> will come up and they'll wake their tail and, and then I'll give them a treat. And then they just, you know, they know I'm easy to, you know, they all can always get a piece of food out of me. Right. <clears throat> so I was just like, I'm going to write you into a book and you're going to be famous. You know, you're so beautiful and so just lovely. And I just thought this beautiful, big, and, and my sister-in-law actually had a great Pyrenees. And I love that dog. They're beautiful dogs as well. So I just thought they would be kind of fun to write about. So I, so you do have more dogs. I have a friend who loves cats. She's got four of them. And she goes, why don't you ever put a cat in your book? Oh. And, um, I'm allergic to cats. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, be, a lot of people are. It's terrible. I would love to have a cat. And my kids, you know, my one son, when he moved out, the first thing he did was adopt a cat because he said, you deprive me of the privilege of owning a cat. Um, but, you know, for me, it's like I always I want one, but um, I just haven't written about one because I don't really know cats as well as I know dogs, you know, so. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a change. I've had yeah. both. And I love both. So, uh, but I, it's hard to write about the cat if you haven't been like, you know, or even had one for a little bit. <laughs> right. Well, well, they're so, they're such a different animal and they're so cool. Mm-hmm. Like my husband grew up with cats and dogs and I only have ever lived in a house with dogs. You know, my mom was allergic to cats too. So, but I think they're, I mean, I love reading about, you know, like authors that have cats as a protect, you know, mm-hmm. one of the, the characters as well, because I do think that, um, I think pets, especially in cozy mysteries, like really enrich not only the story. I know they enrich our lives personally. Like I'm just, you know, I know you're an animal lover too. Yeah. Um, but um, for me, like that's, um, I think something I do fairly well is write about a dog authentically, because my two dogs here, like they kind of Wellington has their personality. One's a shameless beggar. They're always in the water, like they are never dry in the summer. My one kid is like. You know, these dogs, what did he say? They're like mold, they're like smell like mold, or aren't you afraid they're gonna Aww. get moldy? I'm like, oh no, they just, you know what I mean? They just, you know, they're living, they're living, I joke, they live their best life. So, yeah. um, that's what they're supposed to do. You're in Michigan, you're by the water. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I, I make their own food. I'm kind of, they're mm-hmm. spoiled that way. And, and, um, you know, I have special dog treats. So, Lindsay Bakewell kind of, you know, has inherited some of those qualities from me with her dog, but. Um, but yeah, I, I think it enriches the story. And so does she make, uh, pastries for the dogs too? Well, she'll they- make cookies. Like she'll make, um, they, you know, like the second or third book, I think she stabbles with like beacon bites is what she calls them. Okay. So it's kind of like a dog cookie themed dog cookie of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because like, as you know, like it's funny because my books tend to have a theme, a big mm-hmm. good theme. 
Yes. The first one was just introducing, but the next one was a Christmas cookie theme. Mm -hmm. And then I did a blueberry book. And so, of course, we had a blueberry beacon bites or, you know, beacon bites is what she calls them. And my dog's like, blueberries are really good for dogs. So I sometimes will mix them into their food yes. or, you know, antioxidants. They can eat blueberries. Um, so I, you know, I would never put something in a dog food that cannot be eaten, but they um, not digested. Right. Um, I have one dog that gets into chocolate. So when I had my book launch, I got all these silver coin, gold coins that look like authentic gold coins. You know, they have chocolate in them. And so I bought a lot of those. And I was putting them in these little bags with these little good luck charms and things for my book launch. My husband and I had been baking a lot for the book launch. So I made um, Bailey's. It was like Guinness chocolate cake with Bailey's buttercream frosting. And I made, have you ever made the mini cupcakes? Real tiny? For like a uh, tablespoon? No, it's too much work. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I had some time on my hands. <laughs> so I thought, oh, they're easier for people to eat. Sometimes people, when you bring treats to a book launch, they don't want to have a, you know, big oh, a bowl. Yeah. Seems like so less of a commitment. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you know, when we're going out for dinner, I made sure I got everything off the counters because they will just find things. Cleaned everything. And I forgot I had left some of these gold bags oh. of gold on the table in a bag. I came home and the floor was littered with gold wrappers. It was absolutely disgusting. And I and I come in and I'm like, <gasps> you know, and it's my spaniel. I, I'm sure she got into it too, the golden. But um, they had peeled the wrappers back and ate two bags. There were 10 coins wow. in each bag. And they didn't and, get uh, sick because it's poison, right? No, yeah. So, to some, so this is this is what's interesting. To some dogs, it's deadly. It is deadly. Mm -hmm. This uh, The spaniel has gotten into... Um, uh, Halloween candy, like we'll take mm -hmm. down whatever he can eat and Halloween. So it's, so we have to be very careful, but, um, he doesn't even get, you know, doesn't, face doesn't have to adjust. <laughs> One day he sounded like he was, this is two days later. He sounded like, you know, he was kind of at night. I heard him kind of vomiting and I'm like, Oh, I had to run over and get him. And, <clears throat> and I realized like it was the tin, it was the foil. Oh, it was, it was, <laughs> it was, you know, Pat, I mean, I was like, it serves you right, you know, for doing that. And it was terrible. It was terrible. So, no, so these, so I'm very careful not to ever include, even though one of the dogs will seek chocolate out at all costs. Yeah. And, you know, so. Well, so let's talk about the Beacon Bake Shop. What's the most popular pastry on her menu? You know, it's seasonal. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So, and so I, um, um, I think I told you earlier, when we're off camera, I don't know if I said this on camera, but. When I was younger, um, I, you know, newly, not newly married, but I think I had two of my three children and uh -huh. uh, my brother decides to buy a bakery and he was in film and video oh, and yeah. he was working in Chicagoland and doing, you know, like commercials and stuff. But he just mm -hmm. one day was like, I'm tired of this and just buys a bakery. And we're like, you don't know how to bake. And so we kind of threw ourselves into it. And our mother was, is, is an awesome, well, doesn't bake much anymore, but she had some phenomenal mm -hmm. recipes and was always a good baker. And so he, you know, that the baker came with a professional baker. So he mm -hmm. really learned, <clears throat> excuse me, how to bake. And so he would call me in because I wasn't working at the time. And he'd be like, I need you to help me make this, or I need you to do this. Or can you come in? And, uh, you know, it was a, I was free laborer. I lived close by. He didn't call my older brother because he knew better. But I was a sucker. And so we really learned. It was fun. It was very fun. It was a, so much work. Working in a bakery is a lot of work. Um, but there is that element of 
when you make like he was, you know, I had donuts, he had all kinds of things in his cases and specialty cakes and things. But when somebody takes a bite of a donut or baked good or like a Danish and they're just like, oh, and it's just kind of rewarding because you're making something that somebody enjoys. And I really like that about baking. It's kind of like instant gratification. Um, so my standards at the Beacon Bake Shop, which I think are my standards um, that are kind of just a perennial favorite would be a cinnamon roll. Like, okay. And here in Michigan, Lisa, if you come to Michigan, there's a place in the UP that has cinnamon rolls the size of a plate. They're like, in, wow. They, cinnamon roll. I think it was like three bucks. That sounds and they true. come out with this like giant, it was the best cinnamon roll I've ever had. And so I've tried to, I think I have a video of making that on my, one of my, my channels, but um, <clears throat> so, and then, then um, pecan roll standards, okay. just like cinnamon roll, but a little different. Mm -hmm. And, and, donuts and then from there like if it's halloween we're gonna have pumpkin flavored things we're gonna have um <clears throat> we're gonna have um you know like pumpkin chocolate chip muffins there's quiches as well because not everybody i have learned likes sweets <laughs> crazy we're trying to cut down on sugar in our house and that's really hard <laughs> i don't even try <laughs> but but you know it's funny like the things that people like the most i always have those so a lot of times you'll see you know lindsay is always making the sweet rolls because that, that is a pain and a tea stone it's always you know takes a little bit longer um <clears throat> but the seasonal ones are the ones that i usually include um so so the irish mystery um scones like an irish scone i found this great recipe and i i kind of scan cookbooks as well as internet as well as family and friends mm -hmm. um and a classic Irish scone is very different than a regular English, than what we would make. I always frost scones. You know, like this thing you buy at Starbucks, you know, it's good, it's sweet. This is more like a biscuit. <clears throat> and the beauty with it, it, it has such a great texture. It is like, you know, like think of our Southern buttermilk biscuits, mm -hmm. like how quintessential that is to maybe the South. Um, scones, an Irish scone is just quintessential, like British breakfast food, you know, and they cut it. And then they put the clotted cream and the jam in there. That's very Englishy, but the Irish have their version. They might put raisins in their scones. They're very plain. They're not froth. They're not frosted, but <laughs> they are so good because of just the texture. Do you know? So, so that's in there. Um, Irish soda bread. Uh, my recipe, and I got this recipe a long time ago from my sister-in-law. Who, um, you know, Chicago is a very Irish town, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it was. I think it might have been. Oh, passed down to her or something. Mm -hmm. um, and it has a, the reason it's so good is because it has a cup of sugar in it. Everything good has a cup of sugar. You know, Cause most like I read a lot of recipes and it's like a tablespoon of sugar. And I realized that the one I make has, you know, probably a stick of butter and a cup of sugar and then all the other ingredients. Um, and it's so good. <laughs> yeah, that does yeah, Irish bread, soda bread is, I, I mean, I like it, but it's not, uh, it's almost right. too healthy, right? Where right. you're like, ah, I need some, I don't know, like a bucket of caramel or frosting to what? do. It. No, this this soda bread, like you toast it up. My kids eat it for breakfast. It's because uh -huh. um, you know soda bread. You're like, you know, right. it can be really like you said. It's not super flavorful, yeah. mm -hmm. um, but you know, I think it was the sugar that made it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a great addition. I mean, so it sounds like if you're cutting back on sugar, are you not? You don't eat. I can't write. I know this sounds silly. I can't write without a pastry or chocolate. Oh my god, I love that. Oh my god, that is so amazing. Uh, I would be like 300 pounds if I did that. I, I, just know, I have a limit. Like, it, I need it's, to <laughs> it's like a, 
What do you it's like mean? a support blanket? I mean, I bake uh, cookies, cupcakes. Uh, I don't really bake brownies. Um, I did pick up a cinnamon roll this morning for breakfast. Oh, was it good? Was it amazing? Yeah, it was really good. It was homemade at some bakery. And I also get uh, croissants a lot because I can't, those are like a pain to make. So I will always pick oh. up butter, almond, chocolate, all those things. Oh, see, that sounds so amazing. Um, yeah, I can't, like, it's so funny. I drink a lot of coffee in lieu mm -hmm. of eating baked goods because I do, I have a big sweet tooth. Like I do love my sugar. And um, I do notice if I don't eat as much of it, like I feel good. <laughs> oh like, yeah, it's true. Sugar's my so joints don't hurt, you know? It's like yeah. at this age where I'm like, why does my knee hurt? Like, But um, <clears throat> it doesn't last. I mean, what I mean by that is like, we'll treat ourselves every once in a while, but um, mm -hmm. I don't usually have and i usually just have coffee i would love to have a baked good when i eat and i when i write and i think i think i used to um do that more if i have something special i'll definitely do it when i was when the kids were little when i was growing up i kind of had this rule like they couldn't eat sweets unless i made it so because it takes more effort right mm. um and it doesn't have you know a lot of fillers in it um a lot of um preservatives and so that kind of forced us to bake because I'd be like, I'm not going to go out and buy like Oreos. And then I'd be like, but I can't, I do have a bag of chocolate chips. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. you're whipping it up and then you're like, oh, I have, I have a couple. <laughs> well, also, and I, when I'm whipping it up, I, I love eating batter too. So it's cookie oh, dough, yeah. batter. I am so funny. Like I hate batter. And my husband will always try to get the cookie dough back. I, it's a weird thing. I don't know why. Huh. He loves cookie dough ice cream. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, are you worried about the eggs? No, no, I'm not. I'm, it's a taste you just don't like the consistency. <clears throat> yeah. oh, what are you talking about? No, <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not worried about that at all. It's for me. It's um, also I don't like his fingers in the dough because mm. he will like if I'm making him for yeah. like if I have company, I have uh -huh. a rule like you can't be touching my my cookie right. dough. Um, I will let him eat the bat. I don't know. If, I don't know if I have any other kids that eat dough like that, but huh. I do have friends that will just make dough cookie dough and eat the dough. Cause there is something really kind of interesting. It's not, it's not bad. It's just for me. Um, yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of like protect it. Like, you know, don't stick your feet. Yeah. Let me bake yeah, there it. There was that place in New York. I remember there was a line. I stood in line for two hours for dough when it first opened in New York. <gasps> what? Because it's all they do is cookie dough. Right. And so you just, it's like a assembly line. You go in and you can pick three different types of cookie dough. And no, no. Are you yeah, kidding me? I'm baking so great. A store that sells this? Yeah, it's a store in New York. And so, um, but the thing is, I love cookie dough. But then when I had a whole cup of it, I was like, oh, I feel kind of sick now. <laughs> like, I was so excited to eat it. But I was like, oh, I don't Did know. You have to drink a lot because it kind of, it's like, it has to expand in your stomach. I mean, it sounds like such a great idea. And she uses pasteurized eggs, right? So in theory, you can eat it. But in in reality, eating it wasn't as great. Versus just like a couple little dollops when you're baking. I love that you. I love that you went there. I think that's yeah. amazing. I think it's amazing that somebody like what an entrepreneur. Um, yeah. I wonder if it's still open for business though. You know, I don't know. I mean, this is pre-COVID. I think it was like yeah. 2017 that we were in line. So, but it is funny because there are definitely dough. They chocolate chip cookie dough. Chocolate chip yeah. cookies are pretty much the bomb. I mean, yeah. You know, 
any any kind of and I do like baking different things because sometimes I look at something I'm like what would that taste like you know mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes you're pleasantly surprised and some, I've made things I'm like why would people like this you know uh, I don't have the most refined palate but you know, sometimes yeah, I can kind of look at this and judge it um, but yeah I wish um, I wish I had a I wish I could eat baked goods and and uh, not have them you know, at this age, it's really hard to Oh, yeah, about. I get it. Like after that cookie dough experience, I'm like, ah, oh, maybe it sounds great in theory, but not too much is like of a good thing. It is, but it's, it's fun. It's fun to always have something, you know, like yeah. uh, <clears throat> I came from, you know, my mother would always have something for guests. And I think that's kind of my thing. Like I'll always have something. Oh. And then I realized if I do, like um, my husband would find it. And then I'm like, he doesn't, you know, he should probably not be eating so much. <laughs> And so for readers, your books all have the recipes in the back and on your YouTube channel, you actually try some of them out as well, right? Right. I used to put more, more baking videos on. Um, mm -hmm. I will have on my website, I will choose, like, I used to put a lot more recipes on there, but, um, what I'll do now is that I do provide a lot of recipes in the back of the book. And then there'll be recipes that don't make it in there. And sometimes those are the recipes that will be available to print and you can try okay. them. Otherwise they're at the back of the books and um, you know, they're just, it's a lot of fun. It just kind of, I know when people are reading and I mean, I think this maybe happens more than writing, but when you're reading a cozy mystery that's food-based and they're talking about mm -hmm. something like it makes you hungry. Yeah, for sure. So then Which I'm like, why I need I pastries need on the side. Right, right, right. <laughs> I need, you know, or I'll find myself writing it. You're know, like, remember to try this recipe, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just think food, food-based cozies are um, really fun. I really, um, really enjoy writing them because it kind of, you're not only telling a story, but you're tying in something real that somebody can also um, feel a part of that story by eating, yeah. eating while they're eating. Well, you know, like, you know, they can be, you know, they can visit the Beacon Bake Shop in their own kitchen. Yeah. Well, well, thanks fun. so much for being on here and sharing about your uh, book. Uh, can you tell us what are your writing plans for this year and what's coming oh, out? Lisa, thank you. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me. You're amazing. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is your, I love it. I love this, this whole format. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to be, I have another book, another series I'll be launching this year called Food and Spirits Mystery Series. Uh, again, it's a food-based mystery series. It's in the title. The first one is called A Fatal Feast at Bramsford Manor. Mm -hmm. um, and what it is, it's a kind of a weird, <clears throat> I originally, I originally pitched this when I was uh, a couple of years ago, years ago, 10 years ago, I was coming out of the historical fiction writing, writing thing. My brother was a ghost hunter. Like that was his pat, hobby. He had a real job. And so he, he used to always make me watch his ghost shows. And I thought, they're kind of stupid. And, but I realized that every channel had a ghost show. And then I, one day I was like, Hey, you know, what channel doesn't have a ghost show, the food network. Why don't we pitch a ghost show, a food-based ghost show to the Food Network? And I wrote up this whole pitch for Food and Spirits. And so it was like all the stupidness of a ghost show, uh -huh. some of the deliciousness of a baking show. And it was just weird enough. If enough alcohol is involved, it would be mm -hmm. hilarious. And so <clears throat> I ended up not having the right kind of agent for that. Oh, my God. I didn't realize it was a different agent. So anyhow, years later, when I was asked to write another series, I... I was asked for three pitches and I gave two normal pitches that, you know, a normal person might send their editor. And then I sent him this um, redone version of this food and spirits. So it's like a travel ghost food show. Okay. That we write about as in a book. So the first, the first episode, if you will, 
uh-huh. um, takes place in England at a haunt. And what I do is I actually really investigate real hauntings um, and I've changed the name. So the, the first one, the, the, there's a real place. This, this haunting takes place in a real place and it's the, the legend of um, the mistletoe bow bride. I don't know if you've ever heard okay. of this. No. And so um, my, my main protagonist is a woman named Bridget Bunny McBride who hates everything to do with paranormal. She's okay. of Scottish descent. She's working in America. She's working for like a Martha Stewart lady. I think I call her Mary Stobert. And she has a little spot, you know, a little, it's called Bunny's Culinary Corner. Mm-hmm. And she does a little hit on there and it's very popular. And um, she really doesn't like Halloween, doesn't like the scary side. So anyhow, her boss is a little bit annoyed with her and, and um, the opportunity for this new show, which is really a ghost show, ghost food show. They pitch it to her like it's a travel cooking show. She'll be the star of this show. So anyhow, mm-hmm. she gets roped into the show. She thinks the spirits in the show is mixology, but it's really not. And then before she knows it, she's flying out to the UK to Bramsford Manor to investigate the Mistletoe Bride, which is a real story of a woman, years, 1600s, gets married on Christmas day mm-hmm. to her husband in this beautiful manner. And before she, before they you know, go to bed, she proposes a game of hide and seek. And so she gets a five minute head start and then the guests have to try to find her and there maybe is like a prize involved and nobody ever finds her. And 50 years go by and this, her husband, her, you know, moved on for sure. But he felt like, no, she didn't run away. I know she loved me, blah, blah, blah. 50 years later, he's up in the attic and he finds, he opens up a chest and he Mm -hmm. finds his bride inside the chest, still in her wedding gown, holding her bouquet, but she's, a skeleton. And so that, that woman still haunts this particular castle. Now, a lot of castles claim to be the actual castle with this, that, that has this legend originally. Mm-hmm. In it. But um, this first book, we, we explore uh, that along with food. It's just crazy wild ride. But anyhow, so the first, uh, the first, first book, Fatal Feast at Bramsford Manor, which, um, which kind of shadows uh, the history of this, mm-hmm. this haunting and tries to get to the bottom of it as well. And there's a lot of ghost food. It's a food baiting ghost show. So you have to right. bake ghosts to the table with the food. So. Oh. And when does that come out? August 20th. August 20th. So okay. that's, a, that, that'll, that's a series. And then I have another Beacon Bake Shop coming out uh, in November, end of November, oh. called Murder at the Lemonberry Tea. So busy Love year. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Uh, and I've been ignoring all of our guests on the show. Uh, Karen oh, says hi. hello. Jasmine says hello. Uh, that's awesome. It's a shame you couldn't keep the name. We must, I think we were talking about lighthouses. Um, oh, yes. Tasha, I love the baking theme in Cozies. Me Jess, too. And you need to come to Peggy's Cove, Canada to see oh, their sure. lighthouse. There's Canada has some there. beautiful lighthouses. Yeah, I bet. Um, Jasmine, it was the backstory for the three season of Only Murders in the Building. Oh, what was that? What we're talking about. It's for- what was the backstory? Oh, I love, I love Only Murders in the Building. I am yeah. a fan. Uh, Tasha, butter anything is good. That is true. Tasha, Tasha 100%. Yes. Tasha, croissants are definitely weakness for me too. Yes. Me too. Your thoughtful inclusion of recipes in your book is a great way to engage your readers. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, um, and I almost forgot we have a book giveaway. So let's do it too. Jasmine's new and she's given us a great book recommendation. So Jasmine, if you, I don't know if you're still here, if you're still here, definitely send me an email uh, to lisa at lisaseifert.com. Uh, with your email and we'll get you a book. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you so much. Before we leave, where can readers find you, Darcy, online? Like where are you usually so, hanging out? Yeah. So I mean, Facebook, 
author Darcy Hannah. Um, there's uh, Instagram. I think it's also author Darcy Hannah. Um, www. Darcy Hannah. I mean, just pay, type my name in. That's my. <laughs> that's my. <laughs> that's my website, and that has a lot of. That's where you can get recipes. Um, if you're interested in our podcast, it's the Nearly Literate podcast. You can listen to it wherever you get your podcast, or you can go on YouTube. Just type in Nearly Literate podcast, and that should pop up. So uh, brace yourselves for that one. But um, thank you if you do. Oh. <laughs> and then you can buy the books wherever books are sold. Awesome. All right. Great. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining. Thank you, Darcy. And we'll see you, everybody. Uh, I'll see you on Friday. We're doing another interview, and this will be with Emmy Lynn on her paranormal series uh, with the talking dog. So, oh, love it. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>